James T. Harris here, sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. And boy, oh boy, do we have some things to talk about. Even though the media is not reporting it, the border, our open border is absolutely blowing up. There's just hordes of people coming across the border from all over the world. We're going to talk about that on today's show. Is CNN over? You know what? There's some compelling information out there that could suggest that the OCN, as as you've known it for the last, what, 10 years, may be going bye-bye. Thank you, Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon. Then I got a story for you today about some some crazy indoctrination going on in the nation's school that might be under your radar. But first, this is the, the, the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor when the United States of America was drawn into World War II. And your host, Jesse Kelly, has prepared a very exciting, I should say exciting, a brilliant commentary on the importance of this day. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. It's the Jesse Kelly Show. Let's have some fun. As you know, I'm not here live tonight. James T. Harris, my friend, is stepping in for me. But I did feel obligated to come on and say something about this day. Before I take off out of here and head off to my son's little band concert, I thought it was important for December 7th to be honored the way it should be. This is the 80th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. A lot of people know the high points on Pearl Harbor. I just thought it would be appropriate to go a little deeper with it. What happened there? Why did it happen? Where did it, where did it lead us? What's the aftermath for it? So just give me one little segment here. Just give me a few minutes. Let's talk about Pearl Harbor. How did we get there? Why would Japan attack the United States of America? Well, the story actually begins in Japan. In the 1800s, just hang with me. In the 1800s, Japan was, and I say this with respect because I actually love Japanese culture and Japanese people, they were very backwards. They were a very insular country. In some ways, they still are, but they were a very insular country, and they just didn't advance technologically like other nations. But Japanese people, Japanese culture, uh, you could describe it as fierce in a lot of ways. Now, that can be good and it can be very bad, but they woke up one day. There's a little more to the story than that, but they woke up one day and looked around and decided... uh, we are really, really backwards, technologically, militarily, not their culture, but just these things. They weren't advancing the way other nations were, and they got worried they were going to get taken over. They were going to get conquered. This is still the age of colonialism. So in a move that I really admire, I think it's incredible for a nation to be able to do this. It's called the Meiji Restoration. They just stepped up one day and said, you know what? We're going to modernize. And they did. They just decided they were going to change directions as a nation, and boom, they modernized. And I'm not going to act like it, it happened overnight, but very quickly, over the next years, decades really, they became a very, very modern country with a modern economy and a modern military. A modern military, though, costs money. 
It takes resources. Militaries cost a fortune. And Japan, as Japan advanced, started looking around, and they got this fancy army, and you got this fancy navy. But Japan is not only an island nation. It's a nation very, very poor in resources. There isn't rubber there. There isn't really oil there. There isn't the, the natural things that we Americans take for granted. They don't have those in Japan. You have to import them. And so you got a big army, you got a big navy. China's sitting right there across the sea. Maybe you just go take some of their stuff. This is a historic period where China was very down. The communists were fighting the nationalists for control of China at the time. And so those two uh, factions fighting each other made China uniquely weak. And Japan just kind of invaded. Not all of it, but they just invaded huge portions of China. This is pre-World War II. We're talking the 1930s. And started taking it over. America, Britain, and other nations around the world didn't take too kindly to that. And we started telling Japan, you need to get out of China. And Japanese people back then and now, very proud people, which can go both ways, good and bad, said, no, I don't think I will leave China. I think we like it here. We want these natural resources. We're a growing country. Up yours, America. Well, this continued for some time, and eventually America and other nations got a bit more <clears throat> insistent. And we told Japan, hey, you know all that oil we, get, we sell you so your ships can run? You know all that steel we sell you so you can build said ships and other things? We're going to stop sending you any of it. And Japan started to get really nervous. They didn't know what to do. They couldn't leave China, although they should have left China. If they had done that, it would have made them poorer. They, they felt as if they were between a rock and a hard place. We were giving them no choice in their minds. And so they got together collectively, and they came up with the most insane, destructive plan I've ever seen a nation come up with. They decided that America was soft they decided they were going to send a fleet over here and take out our Pacific fleet. Now, contrary to what you probably learned in school, their plan was not to defeat America at Pearl Harbor. Their plan was simply to hamstring us long enough for them to take over a bunch of islands in the Pacific, like the Philippines, which they did right after Pearl Harbor, and then fortify those islands and make it too hard for Americans to take it back. They thought we were too soft and weak and the loss of life we'd take taking the islands back would be something we wouldn't be willing to do. So they parked their fleet north of Japan, closer to Alaska really than anything else, and they set sail. They headed towards Pearl Harbor. And the thing is about Pearl Harbor, there was debate in Japan whether or not they should declare war first. Japan was not naive to the fact that Fighting us, attacking us, ambushing us at Pearl Harbor before you've declared war would create a unique level of anger. I would argue they didn't quite get how angry it would make Americans, but they, they were aware of that. They just felt as if they had no choice. They felt if they had de declared war first, that they wouldn't have found the situation they eventually found at Pearl Harbor. And what was that situation? Well, by the grace of God, our aircraft carriers, the most important ships in World War II, they were already out to sea. They were out doing maneuvers, and that's really what Japan wanted. But what they did find was this. They found all of our battleships not just there 
but tied up. They were docked. You see a ship has a chance when it's out moving around, zigging, zagging. When a ship is tied up at the docks, war hasn't been declared, so there's no high alert. Well, the ship has no chance at all. That and the fact, even though we had radar and we did see the Japanese planes coming on radar, it was dismissed, not understood. And so Japanese planes showed up that day on a quiet Sunday morning and just try to imagine waking up in paradise, waking up in Hawaii on a quiet Sunday morning. You're not at war with anybody and all of a sudden everything's on fire around you. Everything is exploding. And this is the part this is the part that really made me want to do this today before I head off for my son's uh, little band concert and hand the reins over to James T. Pearl Harbor is a day we remember obviously. But I do think it's important to understand what those men went through on that day. You see the men who died at Pearl Harbor. The lucky ones were blown up. The others burned. Some of them went down with their ships. The power went out and they spent a day, two days, three days in the dark, draining the last of the oxygen in whatever room they were in as the room slowly filled up with water. I'm not saying that to you to exploit what they went through. I'm saying that to you to remember what this day actually is and who we honor on this day. And look, I could sit and list for you so many heroes that day. You know we do Medal of Honor Monday every single me- every single Monday. If if you're interested, I would recommend looking up some Medals of Honor from Pearl Harbor. They really really are incredible. There are some great stories. Look up the Medal of Honor citation if you're interested. Maybe read this, maybe read this one with your kids. Maybe sit down with your kids tonight and read the Medal of Honor citation of a Samuel G. Fuqua, of Jackson Paris, Thomas Reeves, Robert Scott, Herbert Jones. There are other stories of heroism out there. Remember the men who gave their lives that day. Remember the heroes who fought that day. And remember, you can take pride as an American. You can take pride in knowing That in the wake of Pearl Harbor, your country did not kneel. It didn't weep. It didn't say, oh, we're defeated. It's over. America as a nation at that time united and united against a common enemy and spent the following years investing untold amounts of blood and money to make sure that enemy paid for what it did to this country. And that is something you an American can be dang proud of. So we remember the fallen from Pearl Harbor, Semper Fidelis to all of them. I'm going to hand the reins now over to the outstanding James T. Harris, who always kills it. And I will be back in the chair doing the show live tomorrow. But first, have you bought gold yet from Oxford Gold Group? You know you should. You've seen the destructive things politicians have done throughout history. We just talked a lot about them. But right now, they're making you poorer. They're making me poorer, and they're doing it every single day. They are destroying the value of what you've worked so hard for, your dollar. 
And there's nothing you can do about it except diversify. Call 833-995-GOLD and tell Oxford Gold Group Jesse told you to call. They will send real gold to your doorstep. 833-995-GOLD. I've sent my own father to Oxford Gold Group. They have their reputation for a reason. 833-995-GOLD. Tell Oxford Gold Group that Jesse told you to call. We'll be back with James T. You are listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. My name is James T. Harris. I'm filling in. I'm a radio talker, a talk show host from Phoenix, Arizona. And when we talk about what happened 80 years ago today, it is a, a turning point in our country. It's one of those great wars that we find ourselves in every 80 to 100 years. And when you talk to the people who experienced it, even when they were little kids, they have a vivid memory of Pearl Harbor. And when we talked about 9-11 a few years ago, uh, you had folks uh, who were from the greatest generation, the GI generation, saying this reminds me of Pearl. And that would be correct. It was a turning point in history. Jesse Kelly said, you know, you should talk to people, talk to your, your, your kids about some of the heroic people who served our country on that day. Well, I have a treat for you. A gentleman named Battleship Andrew, Andrew Dezatel, is a secretary of the USS Arizona Reunion Association. He has uh, the distinct honor of uh, being friends with survivors from the USS Arizona that was attacked on Pearl Harbor 80 years ago today. And he is, right, uh, our, our next guest here on the Jesse Kelly Show. And I know you've been very, very busy, and you're most busy on this day, Andrew. I know you've had speeches and presentations, but I, I wanted to take the opportunity to introduce the audience of the Jesse Kelly Show to you and your story because you were put in a unique situation where you're actually friends, where you actually are a host to some of the survivors of the USS Arizona. Hello, yes. Thank you for the privilege of being able to speak on this for these amazing men. Um, 21 years ago, the uh, the survivors of the Arizona and their families uh, welcomed me into their midst. And my highest aspiration was just to be able to meet a few. And uh, But they welcomed me in, and year after year, we would meet with the reunions, and I spent every moment I could with them savoring every conversation. And after a few years they became like extended family and something deeper and deeper just started to happen that I didn't expect they when they started feeling like family and then as we started to lose them it was more powerful than losing even like a regular good friend there was something so much more powerful and i cannot believe we're almost at the end of an era because 21 years ago there were still about about 40 survivors off the USS Arizona and now we're down just to the last two and they both turned 100 years old this year, and I can't believe these amazing, amazing men have almost got have been lost to the ages. These unbelievable men who would bristle at being called a hero, and yet I, they are to me. Uh, they were ordinary men who found themselves in the worst situation possible, and somehow some of them just arose to just do amazing things uh, from ordinary men and women come the most incredible stories and uh, I am the luckiest Gen Xer in the world to have spent uh, most of the last two decades 
uh, with these disappearing giants, uh, as I would say. Well, you know, you say that their stories will be lost to history, but the fact of the matter is, and this is what makes you unique, is that you've been capturing these stories. As a Gen Xer listening to the stories of uh, what Tom Pro called, I think it's properly called the greatest generation, the generation that sacrificed itself, and we have still have Western civilization or a semblance of it because of their actions, you have their stories and you've been telling their stories for for years. So when we talk about some of the the horrors that went on that day and how some people survived that, uh, the men that were on the USS Arizona, you can actually give insight into those actions because they were told to you one degree of separation. I'm talking about you were talking to the people who survived. Yeah, there is uh, just night and day difference. It's one thing to be reading about it as I did throughout my teen years and into my 20s and, you know, seeing documentaries. But when you hear it, you know, and more than once, you know, it took, you know, after the first year or two, I thought I knew I'd learned a lot. After 10 years with them, it was like pieces of a puzzle that kept on falling into place and got bigger and bigger. And, even once I, we hit the, about the 15-year mark that I was with them, I was just still realizing we have no clue just how horrific it was in that ship. And I, it unnerves me a little bit when I hear people say, yeah, the Arizona was sunk. And that doesn't seem to describe what happened. That ship was destroyed. I mean, the forward magazines blew. I mean, it was over a million pounds of gunpowder that went and then blew the rest of the munitions and the fuel it was the most horrific explosion, and then the things they've told me about what it was like on that ship after the everything blew, they've told me things that have gotten in my nightmares. And I think the one that brings it home the most, um, and I don't tell this to the, to the younger kids, but like the high schoolers or adults, Lauren Bruner, one of the men who was burned so badly in the foremast in the forward tower and sky control, he said, he said that once that in the 1960s, when zombie movies became the craze, he said he refused to see them. He couldn't because he said, I've already seen the real thing. I've seen The Walking Dead. He said, and I still see them in my nightmares every night for like 70 years. He says, and I do not want to see that on the screen because I've already seen the real thing. That's what it was like. These men just the men, the most horrific was the ones who survived the initial explosion, but not for long. These horrific stories of just in the, the over the next twenty minutes on that on that nightmare of a of a of a ship is what it turned into. We truly have no clue just how bad it was. Well, Andrew, I've been telling you for years that uh, you need to 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 write a book. Uh, but right now, I am just heartened that you are actually going around. And you are telling the story of uh, these World War II veterans, the people who were on the USS Arizona when it was attacked by the Imperial Japanese Army. Uh, Andrew Dozatel, I want to thank you very much for appearing on the Jesse Kelly Show. We are going to, to move on because we have some big stories out there that we have to discuss. My name is James C. Harris. I am a talk show host out of Phoenix, Arizona. Happy to be sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. James T. Harris filling in for the Jesse Kelly show and be I'm just happy to be doing that. I love uh, Jesse Kelly's audience. If you want to follow me, you can do that on Twitter.
Just follow me at James T. Harris. Also, I am on Instagram at James T. Harris. I just spoke to a man who I don't want to call him an expert because he is a personal friend to many of the sailors that were on the USS Arizona. He has their stories and their stories are riveting. I wish I would have had the time. I could talk to him, you know, for, for hours and have about what happened on that day and the people who survived the U.S. Arizona. And it's indicative of a generation, a generational spirit when the United States was attacked in Pearl Harbor. You had people who were so incensed, people who were so patriotic that they lied about their age to to join up, to 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 fight on behalf of America. My, how things have changed. And the problem here is that I think we're due for another major conflict. I don't know if it's going to be on the scale of what we experienced in World War Two. But uh, these things tend to to come around again. Who will be the generation that will step up? Who will be the next greatest generation? Well, I would say Generation X, but we're already too old for it. And the millennials are starting to get long in the tooth as well. (laughs) Who's coming next? That's the question that people are asking. If we had to, to fight again, would we be ready? And you know what? I think the answer to that question is is no. Why? Because so much has changed. The the family has changed. There is a very interesting article that appears in the the uh, uh the American Daily, I believe it's called. Uh, it's it's about the family, the state of the family and how the family over the years has been attacked. It's been attacked by the radical left. It's been attacked uh, by uh, progressive uh, um, uh, philosophy, by pro- the progressive progressive agenda. We've seen it attacked by the government. Uh, back in World War II, when we were drawn into that war, you had intact families. As a matter of fact, whether you're talking about uh, Americans of African descent, whether you're talking about you know white Americans, you, two-parent family. It was the standard. We're talking about 70-80% of children growing up in the country had two parents in the home. That is not the case anymore. And what people are 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 well still haven't realized is that the two-parent family, the nuclear family is the backbone of this country. The two-parent family is what uh, teaches kids about values, what teaches kids about sacrifice. The two-parent family is all about sacrificing, one generation sacrificing for the other generation, hoping that they will do better than them and trying to make that possible. And that works best when you have a mom and you have a dad in the household. But you know what? We're now in 2021 at a stage in our culture well we don't want to identify mom and dad as a matter of fact we're confused about gender and gender roles back in the 1930s 40s and 50s it was the the father that was the breadwinner it was the mother who was queen of the household our roles were defined 
now since the 19 late 60s and the 70s those roles have been well viewed with disdain it started out innocent enough remember that chanel commercial back in the past i could bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan and never never ever let you forget you're a man because i'm a woman now what bring home the bacon and fry it up if i'm bringing home the bacon what are you doing well how are you taking care of the kids and all of this is even reflected in our commercials look at how the family the two-parent family is depicted on our commercials in our commercials today well it's under attack and look at the sitcoms that are supposed to celebrate the family no, now we're into diversity. We have redefined family and we've redefined the roles. I know, I just jumped right up into it. I went from World War II where we had a generation that jumped in, that was willing to lie about their age, that understood what was at stake, and they fought. We're talking about D-Day. We're talking about, you know, I used to have uh, conversations with people who were alive during D-Day. And, the, and how did you do it? How did you get on the beach? How did you scale those walls? I think it was uh, 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 Richard O'Nines was one of the, the people that was there on D-Day. He said, well, it was our job to do. And we figured that if we did our jobs, uh, we would win the day because we had to. People don't talk like that anymore. Where did those views come from? Today. When we look at our armed forces and we look at uh, their recruitment videos, are they talking about those type of values, the values that helped us get through a world war? No. Today, they're talking about woke values. Here's Jessica. Jessica, why did you join the army? Well, you know, my two mothers were, were an inspiration to me. And then I believed in women's rights and I was out protesting and I believe that this is my platform. Whoa. Compare that to the recruitment videos of some of our, of our enemies of the Chinese army of, of Russia. It's showing something completely different. No, I think our culture is in trouble. And I think the heart of that is how we've let, we've let, we've allowed the family, the nuclear family, the traditional family be decimated by government and quite frankly, by Democrat leftist programs. We've watched welfare destroy the black family, absolutely destroy it from the 1960s on. We've watched government abs actually pay women to have babies as long as the father was not in the house. How has that resulted? We have at least now two and a half generations of black families that don't know what the role of a father is in the family. Marriage is not treasured in the black community. See, I can say that because I'm black. Oh, it's true across the board. Oh, this poison is true across the board. But if you want to get specific, if you want to see what's going to happen, what happens when government, when Democrat government policies largest enters into the family? Well, look no further. 
that's where we are. And if we don't find a way to to get this back, it's not going to take a an opposing army or a surprise attack from a, a from an opposing army. Now, the destruction will happen from within. We're watching our institutions de-evolve around us. The very society that the World War II generation fought for and won, and then we saw one, you know, the, the American Empire rise out of it. We saw the birth of suburbs. We saw we saw uh, you know, the, the the economy. We saw inventions like television. We just saw a massive freedom start to erode, and the policies that eroded our value systems are are still in place, and they're getting strong. We're going to talk about that a little bit more on today's show. And it's not going to be depressing because it's a reset. There's also some glimmers of hope out there. I'll give you one glimmer of hope. CNN is going down. <laughs> it's going down the tubes. And we're going to talk about what happened, what's happening over there and how there may be a great reset uh, with a CNN coming up next. You want to be a hero for the holidays? How about getting your loved ones a new iPhone? That's right. Pure Talk has iPhone 12 starting at just 479 through the end of the year. And yes, they also have the 13s too. So listen, switch to Pure Talk where you'll get nationwide 5G coverage. Yes, the same coverage as the big guys, but the average family saves over $800 a year. Now, I'm a customer. I would tell you, wouldn't tell you to use this service if I was not completely happy with it. I've talked to the Pure Talk people. It's time to make the switch. With Pure Talk's 30-day risk-free guarantee, you have nothing to lose. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data in just $30 a month. And like I said, the iPhone 12 is just $479. From your cell phone, dial pound 250. Say Jesse Kelly and save an additional 50% off the first month. Plus, save on a new iPhone. Some re restrictions apply. Call for details. To make some time. The Jesse Kelly Shows. That's the show you're listening to. My name is James T. Harris. I am a talk show host out of Phoenix, Arizona. Happy to be sitting in for Jesse Kelly. Gotta tell you, we're living in strange times, and and uh, there are some bright spots in those strange times. CNN is in trouble. Remember when President Trump said that uh, if he's not president, CNN's ratings are going to crash? <laughs> MSNBC is going to crash. Once again, President Trump has been proven to be savant. He, he, he called it. And that's exactly what is happening. And part of the reason why uh, CNN's ratings are absolutely in the dumps is, is because they're corrupt. And not only are they corrupt, but uh, they, they, they lie. <laughs> I guess that's part of being corrupt. And they're caught all up in it. That's why it's so funny that you had Brian Stelter, who is a commentator over on uh, CNN, was asking the question, especially in light that Chris Cuomo, their anchor, has been fired, was fired over the weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But they're asking the question, has CNN lost the trust of America? 
I see they have. Uh, give me cut eight. Ultimately, this is about trust in media, as Sarah was referring to. Trust in media. Has CNN lost trust as a result of this, Sarah Wick? Well, uh, you know, I don't know. That's hard to say if, if CNN has lost trust. I think this really, Brian, goes to the heart. And Sarah's right. These relationships are out there. People know about them. And it is one of the things that makes people uh, not wary. They don't trust the press because they think it's elites dealing with elites, taking care of elites. We say we're watchdogs, but we watch some people harder than we watch other people. There are friends, there are relationships, there are people trying to court favor with powerful people for information. Here's the problem. We've really lost sense of media ethics in our profession, especially in the last few years. Oh, you've lost track of ethics? Really? You know, this guy is actually telling the truth. I don't want to mock him, but 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 he's he's kind of dead on. Have we lost trust in media? Trust in see? Yes, we have. We absolutely have. You know, Chris just made a, a pretty good point. Uh, CNN, they lost their credibility when they went to 24-7 news because they had to start lying in order to, to stay on the air. They started spinning tales. There used to be a time where the media would pretend to be, you know, neutral. They're just reporting the news. But things really got out of hand uh, the moment that uh, President, uh, or at the time, businessman Donald Trump rode down that escalator. That's when the media became unhinged. And when Donald Trump won the Republican primary, that's when they thought, okay, we built him up. We talked about him all the time, but uh, now we need to destroy him. And they turned against him. And that just didn't work out very well for them, did it? And then when Donald Trump defied all logic, you actually watched the media lose their mind. We saw commentators and, and anchors on CNN actually cry, crying, crying election night 2016, talking about this is a white lash. <laughs> that was Van Jones. This is a white lash. What are you talking about? The American people spoke. Oh, this was a white lash and we're going to resist. We saw the media show their bare assets for the last five years. President Trump is no longer in office and we still are watching the media trip absolutely go bonkers over over Trump. Trump derangement syndrome is real and exposed the hypocrisy and the corruption of the media. Brian Stelter and his bubble and his arrogance are, are you know, are the media. Can the media be trusted? Did they lose the trust of the American people? I'm old enough to remember the saying, you know, Nixon has lost Cronkite. Walter Cronkite was that, that voice. You know, he was a, he was the face. He was the news. And he made it a point not to, not to tip the fact that he was a, a liberal. As a matter of fact, he was happy when he would get hate mail from both sides because they were accusing him of being a liberal or being a Republican or whatever. He's like, oh, that means I'm doing my job. Well, that type of perspective has been long gone in the media. No, Brian Stelter, we don't trust the media and we haven't for a very long time. It's just that with President Trump now, you know, the scales are off people's eyes because because there's no longer any pretense from you. 
And what has happened to the to the to CNN specifically news in general, but but CNN over the last couple of weeks has been downright revealing with Chris Cuomo being fired. That was like, that was, and you still had some people inside of the media trying to make excuses. You know what? He was just trying to be his brother's keeper. You know, I can't blame him because this is all about family. Uh, 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 uh. No, no, no. What he did, uh, Chris uh, Cuomo, in basically uh, forming, uh, developing dossiers on the women who accused his brother of sexual harassment, of sexual assault, and then what was he going to do with that information? Was he going to go full George Stephanopoulos and Hillary Clinton? Oh, oh, yes. For those of you who thought that George Stephanopoulos has always been on CBS, has always been in the news. Uh-uh. He used to be in the Clinton war room. He headed up the bimbo eruptions. Every woman that came forward and said that she had relations with Bill Clinton was subject to abuse from George Stephanopoulos and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. So you have the Democrats still trying to play the same game. Only this time it didn't work out. And Chris Cuomo ended up getting in trouble for colluding with his brother's administration to try to help him keep his job as governor. He was suspended. But then news came out that Chris Cuomo was also part of the feel him up club. Yeah, just like his brother. And that's when they decided to fire him. Well, I'll tell you what. The story doesn't end there. It gets even better. Let me tell you about Don Lemon at the top of the hour. My name is James T. Harris. I'm a talk show host out of Phoenix, Arizona, sitting in for the great Jesse Kelly show. listening to the jesse kelly show my name is james t harris i'm a talk show host out of phoenix arizona i'm very happy to be sitting in for jesse kelly you know chris cuomo anchor over at cnn he was suspended last week he got fired over the weekend he's not happy he's not happy he's suing cnn to get his eight million dollars see that was part of his four-year contract he was only one year into a four-year contract 18 million dollars i ain't mad i'm not mad i want a contract like that one day (laughs) and if i were to lose it i'd probably sue too the problem is that there's language in that contract uh, that uh, chris cuomo violated that probably means that he's not going to get that payday it gets worse Chris Cuomo was supposed to have a book coming out, but uh, that book has been canceled by the publisher. What? Yes. It looks like that uh, the long knives are out for Chris Cuomo and the Cuomo brothers. It looks like the the woke crowd. They tried to be woke for a couple of years. Now the, the woke crowd has come back and they're eating their own. Remember when Governor Andrew Cuomo was being considered? To, to be the, the Democrat candidate for president. Remember that? They're going to replace old Joe and put Cuomo in there because he did such a great job in, with New York State during the pandemic. Oh, this is wonderful. That started to fall apart. 
And they started looking closer at the at these people that were dying in nursing homes, and they're still looking at it. But they tried to cover that up with the with the whole sexual uh, uh, your advances, the the accusations that were made. He actually got fired for that when he should have been fired for for those people that he killed. Blood on his hands. His brother tried to help him out of the situation. Ended up getting caught up in it. Now we're being told that CNN has standards, you see. <laughs> they have standards that they have to live up to. Yeah, so far, what do we have here? We've got uh, Chris Cuomo. He's out. That's huge. He was an anchor there. He was a leading anchor. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Uh, an anchor from a major news network just dismissed like this. But here's the problem. Don Lemon might be next. Wait, what? Yes. Full disclosure, full disclosure, I have had beef with Don Lemon. Yeah, over CNN. It's it's old. It's not a grudge, but but I got I had beef. It was back in 2008. You know, they were bringing me on the show on CNN to talk about uh, the fact that I was not supporting Barack Obama, Barack Hussein Obama at the time. That was a scandal, don't you know why? Because I'm an American of African descent. Black folks supposed to stick together. But I said I couldn't vote for for uh, Barack Hussein Obama because he's a socialist. Yeah, I said it back then. I'm ahead of my time. I'm like, look, you know, he's not on my team. Barack Obama is like, you know, I grew up in Wisconsin. I'm a Packer fan. Barack Obama plays for the Minnesota Vikings. I got no love for him. No. <laughs> Well, are you telling me you would vote for John McCain? I'm like, he's less of a problem. You know, John McCain is like a moderate. But Barack Obama is a Marxist. Well, that didn't go over well. And I was naive. So I was invited to talk about it on Don Lemon's show. And what Don Lemon did was just dirty. He brought me on the show and started reading all of the, the death threats that I was receiving because I was receiving death threats. Imagine that because I was not supporting uh, Barack Obama, who could possibly become the first black president of the United States. How quickly a black folks forget that they said that Bill Clinton was the first black president of the United States. What happened? I was getting attacked by everybody. I got attacked by Steve Harvey. I got attacked. <laughs> I got attacked. It was it was a crazy time in life. So I went on CNN to try to you know explain to people what my position was. I was not given the chance. And at one point in the argument, Don Lemon actually said to me, "You gonna vote for you gonna vote for John McCain over over Barack Obama? Come on, brother. Come on, brother." I'm like, come on, brother. Did he just say that on national TV? And, and, and again, this is my first time on TV. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I got beat up by Don Lemon. You know, that's double embarrassing. I remember being in the parking lot of the TV station. I was mad and my friends were calling me and I had liberal friends. This is before we had the polarization, you know, where if you're a conservative, you can't be friends with liberals and vice versa. Yeah, I have very good liberal friends and they were calling me up because they saw the assets whooping on TV as well. And they tried to buck me up. I said, okay, you know what? I, this is my lesson. Lesson learned here, I guess. But then Don Lemon called me back to be back on the show. Why'd he do that? Because the ratings were just exploding. I guess it's very popular for, uh, uh, for a black liberal to beat up a black conservative 
on television. You see, this is all before I became, you know, knew how the game was played. This is all before I knew about the wrap-up smear. You know, who am I? I'm just a talk show host. We can talk show host out of Wisconsin. I wasn't supposed to be a big deal, but I was. I was seen as a threat. Because you need everybody to fall in line. And if they don't fall in line, they have to be humiliated. They have to be destroyed. Gosh, we're very familiar with those tactics today, aren't we? But back in the day, I had no idea. But I did have my pride. So I went back on CNN. And I went back on Don Lemon's show. And I opened up a can of whoop-ass ass on him. I started asking him a series of questions. Don Lemon, what has the Democrats done for black people lately? What's the incarceration rate? What is the graduation rate? What's going on, Don Lemon, with the black family and Democrats? How come they keep screwing over black folks, but uh, then they never get anything out of it? What about that, Don? Don said, I, I am not qualified to. To answer those questions. Oh, you're not? Well, you certainly were qualified to ask me about it last time I was on. Cut the commercial. <laughs> I said I'd never go on CNN again, but I did. I got coerced in by a by an anchor named uh, uh, Phillips. She's lovely. She lied to me. I went on, and that led to the first walk-off. The first live walk-off of CNN. That was me, ladies and gentlemen. Me. I took the earpiece out of my uh, uh, ear, flicked it at the camera and said, no more CNN and walked off because they tried to set me up and break in their promises. Why? Because they had to destroy me. Why? Because I was a black American that was not buying their, 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 you know, what they were shoveling. I looked into Barack Obama and I knew that this is not where we should be going. I based it on principle, not the color of the skin, but look at where we at today. Judging someone by the content of the character, not the color of their skin, it's backwards. They're judging people by their color of their skin. They're judging people by their sexual preference. But I digress. Don Lemon. Don Lemon is getting his. Why? Well, if you're going to hold Chris Cuomo up to the standard where if you're if you are, you know, have a sexual uh, assault charges against you. Well, Don Lemon does. Don Lemon belongs to the feel him up club. He was in a bathroom trying to feel up a man and the man wasn't trying to have it. The man sued him. They're supposed to be trying to haggle over what kind of a, you know, compensation he's going to get. He's asking for too much for Don Lemon, but it's out there. Sexual assault, sexual harassment, Don Lemon. Yeah. But something else happened. Something else happened. That is absolutely mind-blowing. Remember Jussie Smollett? You remember Jussie Smollett? He's the actor of uh, Empire. Uh, he's the, uh, the gay black actor over at Empire, and the gay thing does play into this. So, you know, give me a little bit of room here to explain this whole thing. He's the guy that said that, uh, that he was attacked by, by Trump supporters at 2 o'clock in the morning in Chicago, when there was sub-zero weather out there, they said that he said that they attacked him, put a noose around his neck, and poured bleach all over him, and then they beat him up and they yelled, "This is MAGA country!" as he ran off. And they did it because they didn't like the fact that he was black and gay. Now, everybody 
bought that hook, line, and sinker. All of Hollywood, all of the news media. Then they started lecturing Americans about how they need to be more tolerant towards gay people and black people. It's racism and homophobia just wrapped up together. But, gotta tell you, uh, from the very beginning, people knew that this was this was not kosher. <laughs> and now, after having 16 charges against him dropped because he was friends with uh, Michelle Obama, who was friends with the attorney, district attorney there, uh, he, some of those charges got added back on, and he is on trial. Well, coming up next, because you may be asking, James, what does Jesse Smollett have to do with Don Lemon? Well, I will tell you, and let me set the whole thing up by saying, you can't make this stuff up. Stay with me. I'm going to tell you why CNN is in heap big trouble and how there may be a reset coming their way. My name is James T. Harris. I am a talk show host out of Phoenix, Arizona, sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. If you're looking for ways to skip the, the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the, the holidays. Now, whether you're selling online or running an online or, or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holiday seasons. Access to, to all of the, the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off the UPS. I've used Stamps.com to help out my business, and I got to tell you, it is a game changer. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code JESSE for a special offer that includes a four-week trial of free postage and a digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code JESSE. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. James T. Harris sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. Glad you're with us this evening. I'm just kind of emoting here. I, I, I'm talking about CNN and how there is a sea change coming. Over the weekend, we have Chris Cuomo. He got fired. He got fired. Well, he got fired for colluding uh, with his brother's governor, uh, government when he was governor, uh, trying to get him out of uh, some sexual allegations. And then we also have the fact that he was uh, being accused of feeling up some folks himself, you know, sexually uh, assaulting women uh, somewhere in between. All I know is bad and there's more of that coming. So they had to make a decision and they decided to dismiss Chris Cuomo. It was all about integrity, don't you know? But you see, you've got Don Lemon. He's in trouble, too. He's been accused of a, a sexually harassing, sexually assaulting a man in the bathroom, don't you know? And he's at the point where he's there, they're, they're negotiating, I guess, 
some type of settlement, but Don Lemon is not willing to offer up an apology. The guy doesn't want money, he just wants an apology as well. Acknowledgement that it happened. Don Lemon is not doing that. And yesterday, this is crazy. I mean, literally, days after CNN suspended and ultimately fired the host, Chris Cuomo, for journalistic misconduct. You've got Jesse Smollett in Chicago, who's on trial. It was going so bad, I guess, he had to take the stand, just like uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> he took the stand, and he continued to lie to try to support the hoax that he was attacked. Of course, he was not attacked by two Trump supporters. They happened to be two African brothers who were like media as they were weightlifters and stuff like that. And they fully confessed to the fact that they did this and that Jesse Smollett paid them to do it. So it is really quite remarkable that Jesse Smollett feels that he can get on the, on the stand and maybe use his acting powers or whatever to convince at least one of the jurors that he's innocent. But in doing so, Jussie Smollett let out some very intriguing information. He threw Don Lemon under the bus. What? Yeah. According to multiple reports from witnesses inside the Chicago courtroom, Smollett fingered Lemon as a source of inside information. He testified during the investigation that he got text from Don Lemon saying that the Chicago Police Department didn't believe him. Ooh! Ooh! <laughs> Wait a minute. See, Don Lemon, he's a well-connected guy, don't you know? Don Lemon used his platform, used his influence to get inside information about a suspect to a crime and tipped him off that the police in Chicago didn't believe him. Well, what in the world is that? If you're going to talk about Chris Cuomo being fired because he had journalistic misconduct, what do you call this? And of course, there's some intriguing side questions here. Well, Don Lemon and Justice Millett are, are friends, uh, how did that come about? How did Don Lemon get Jesse Smollett's cell phone number that he was able to text him? Oh, I don't want to speculate too far because that's going down a real uh, uncomfortable road. And no, it's not because all black people know each other. I don't have uh, Jesse Smollett's number. I don't have <laughs> Don Lemon's number. <laughs> but then again, I've been told I lost my black card many years ago. So maybe if I had that, I would have their number. Here's the deal. Don Lemon is now involved in, 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 in a case. His name came up during this, during this, this testimony. This is crazy. Don Lemon later that night talked about the Justice Smollett trial with like about 10 minutes left in the show. And guess what? He never mentioned the fact that his name came up. They just tried to, to gloss it over. 
And the same guy that that he was talking to about the Justice Smollett trial uh, was the same reporter that last year during the riots was standing in front of a burning building talking about oh, the riots are the, the pro is mostly peaceful protesting going on here. CNN's in trouble. The timing of this is absolutely incredible. So let's sum this all up. At CNN, well, what have we experienced over the last year? We got a guy who was fired or at least suspended for masturbating on a Zoom call. That was Jeffrey Tubin, right? We've got uh, uh, their chief anchor conspiring with a sitting government to, to, to cover up uh, sexual assault uh, accusations. He uses, we, we, we got an anchor who uses position to tip off a suspect in a, in a crime. But CNN gets to get all ugly when we call them fake news. But CNN gets mad at Tucker Carlson for his take on January the 6th. But CNN can go around and just pontificate and go off on everybody who's not carrying their narrative when they've got corrupt individuals like this working for them. What is this? I tell you what, CNN was was bought. There's a guy named John Malone. He bought CNN in a in a firestorm, a fire sale. And, you know, <laughs> he's not a rock solid conservative by any measure. But uh, his political beliefs. You know, are, are not going to drive CNN his the bottom line is going to drive it. And there's speculation that Mr. Ballone is going to change the direction of CNN. There's speculation that CNN is due for a reset. And if that is the case, all I can say is amen and boom shakalaka. Now, with all of this sexual craziness going on at CNN, I got to wonder, where did it come from? Fast and safety belts is coming from your schools. My name is James T. Harris, sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. You see, I got more clothes than Muhammad Ali, and I dress so viciously. You are listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. My name is James T. Harris. I am a talk show host out of Phoenix, Arizona. The name of my show is The Conservative Circus. You can follow me on Twitter, just at, at, at James T. Harris, where you can find me, or Instagram at James T. Harris, or at Facebook at James T. Harris Media. But you know what? Facebook kind of has their foot on my neck right now. I've been saying too, too many controversial things when it comes to the vaccination, when it comes to critical race theory in schools. I would post these articles, and the next thing you know, I, I don't have any reach anymore. I used to be able to reach at least uh, 10 million people. Now, well, maybe 10,000 on a good day. And this next story that we're going to talk about here, this topic, is one of the reasons why uh, I've been censored. Now, you can still go to my blog at KFYI.com. You can find the articles there. But social media, no, they're kind of upset. When parents started going to the school board meetings, in pushing back, strange things started to happen. First of all, we had school boards and we had uh, we had uh, uh, the teachers lying to the parents about what was being taught in the classroom. 
They were saying, no, we don't teach critical race theory. Then we found out that they call it all different kinds of things, but it is critical race theory. In some schools, we find that the, they're teaching, you know, the, the LGBTQ agenda. And sometimes they're mixing it all up together. And that's what we found in a school district right here in the valley. A middle school called Kokopa. Well, this school has a very controversial program, and it is it is for middle schoolers who are LGBT. It's an after school activity. And uh, when they put it together, you know, they wanted to just preach awareness. But it turned into something much more dangerous. It turned into division. It actually divided the school. At one point in time, you know, you were either identified as gay or homophobic. And of course, if you were homophobic, that's not a good thing. This program spread from from one middle school and now it's all over the valley. I'm hearing from parents after I talked about this a couple of days ago. Parents are contacting me and sending me information from primarily middle schools talking about these GSA clubs. They're called Gay Straight Alliance. Tell you what, check out your school district and find out if there's any GSA clubs. If there are, then I want to give you a taste of what your kids are experiencing. Uh, one of the, or I should say, the, the founder of the of this GSA program in a a middle school called Kokopa in the Scottsdale, Arizona, was was award was given an award, an award for her efforts in starting this program and watching it spread. And this teacher who receives the awards did a video, and the video gets into the nuts and bolts of what is being taught here, what they had to do, fasten safety belts. Chris, give me cut nine. We've been around for two and a half years. I kicked it off in December of 2018. I had gone to the Glisten Summit that year and gotten information and it was, it was really nervous. My big fear in starting a, a GSA in middle school is that it's, it's hard enough. Middle school is is so hard and I did not want to put a target on anyone's back and I was very concerned about that and I went to my principal and I said I want to do this and he was incredibly supportive and and we made sure that we had all our ducks in a row and kicked it off I had students who I I went to and asked if I did this would you be interested and had very positive feedback so our first meeting was um four kids and it's just grown from there now glisten is the gay lesbian and straight education network she went to that program and then she was able to identify which kids to talk to in order to start this program she freely admits that being in middle school is very difficult for students very hard but yet she wanted to add something that was going to be you know in time be even add more hardship and, and get this she had the blessing of the principal the principal of the middle school said yes do this this is a good thing she 
tells the story. It goes a little bit further. Here's part two. We painted rocks with positive messaging and put them around the school. Our librarian contacted our group and asked for recommendations for more LGBTQ inclusive books to put into our library. I had two other middle schools in our district that reached out to me. They want to start GSAs at their middle schools, which made, made my kids feel like they were affecting change throughout the district. Creating these pride flags um, that are magnets. I, I pushed it out to the teachers. If there are any teachers who want to have a magnet flag up on their whiteboard um, so that it, their classroom is known as a safe space. I did not have one teacher not take a flag. Everybody wanted a flag. All the teachers wanted a flag. They're painting LGBT rocks and putting them around the school. They could put the flags up on the whiteboards in the classroom to identify this as a safe space. The librarian found out about the program and wants to know, are there any LGBTQ books that they could add to the school library? Isn't this exciting? The news started to spread. And other middle schools were picking up this program. Now we hear from, a, 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 I think, a, a mother and a LGBTQ student who was part of the program of helping to spread the love and the joy of LGBT plus propaganda. Cut three. We participated in Day of Silence. Um, and that was really cool and really interesting, actually, because we got so many people to do it. They did cause a lot of problems, though. A whole lot of problems. We got a lot of feedback. But I think next year it'll go way more smoothly. I, I, th smoothly. I think a lot of it was the sixth grade parents, unfortunately, are misinformed and they somehow equated, you know, oh, you have a day to support LGBTQ plus students and inclusivity. Why are you teaching my kids about gay people? Oh, look at this. It caused problems. The parents began to push back, but see, the parents pushed back because they were ignorant. They were uninformed. This is not teaching kids to be LGBTQ, so they say. No, no, no. We're just trying to find a safe place, a place for, you know, where, where, where people can feel included. This is about inclusion. Now, this next part here, this is where things go from just absolutely bizarre to, I think, absolutely demonic the kids and once they identify their new sexuality well they do something they do something that strikes at the heart of family they consider the names that their parents give gave them as debt names part four there was a very clear divide in the sixth graders those who participated were called gay and those who didn't were called homophobic yeah, we have had a few families, like, quite a few families, actually, that say they're going to leave. But we've had other families that said this was the best thing that could have happened to their kid and brought us cake. Bought us cake. There was division. Best thing that ever happened, so they bought us cake. I'll tell you what, in the interest of time, I'm going to save this, this next two clips that are going to blow your mind. But what I want to tell you here is this program is dangerous. And it's not just in uh, the Valley. It's not just in Scottsdale School District. This thing is all over the country. But you probably didn't know about it. You probably didn't have to, to worry about it. But I think you should. 
when we wonder how the sexuality is everywhere in our society, know this, it is also in your schools and the LGBTQ community. They're not even shy about it. They're telling you they're coming for your children. They're grooming them for this lifestyle. We've got kids that are considering their old names, dead names. That's coming up next. It's time to, to fight back against these value problems that we're seeing in our schools. And I've got some books to help you do that. Libertus Twins. This is good. The Tuttle Twins. This is great stuff. These books help kids develop critical thinking skills. These are ideals that most adults and certainly members of Congress don't even understand. Balance out the harmful ideals from school, media, Hollywood with principles. Teach the ideals that made America great. If you homeschool, here's your curriculum. If your kids go to school, this helps you counteract the junk your kids learn there. You could teach kids to identify socialism, the dangers of authoritarianism, how free markets benefit society, the proper role of government, freedom of speech. Yeah, this, these books will teach you about property rights, entrepreneurship, the golden rule, personal freedom, the dangers of socialism, how to learn and what to learn. I'm telling you, this is the way to go in the future. Even if you have your kids in school, especially if you have them in government schools, go to TuttleTwinsJesse.com. 35% off the books. Free activity workbooks automatically included. Keep your kids safe. Protect your kids from socialism. Mention the website here. I'm telling you again, this is what you need to do. Go to TuttleTwins.com. That's TuttleTwins.com. Jesse Kelly returns next. Learn to love, learn to vogue, face your face. You are listening to the Jesse Kelly Show. My name is James C. Harris. I am a talk show host out of Phoenix, Arizona. That was the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir singing, We'll Convert Your Children. Oh, they got in hot water when that song came out a little while ago hot water they had to to pull it from their social media but they meant it and it's what we're seeing they've been doing this we've come to find out since like the 1990s we're talking about a program that was launched in uh scottsdale unified school district in arizona at Cocopa middle school they started a a program there that's part of the GSA club. That's the gay straight Alliance. And this program is designed to be a safe space for, for LGBTQ plus kids. And it's supposed to be a student run organization that the, the teacher there, you know, she's just a sponsor. She, she's not driving the ship. So they say it's the kids driving the ship, but the reality is no, it is the teachers. It is the adults that are driving the ship. And we're finding out that there's uh, stuff like this and pornography being assigned in classrooms. I kid you not. Adult teachers giving, male teachers giving uh, 15, 16-year-old students uh, pornography to read with assignments. Parents are finding out about this. They're pushing back. But this program is insidious because I believe that it is grooming kids for the LGBTQ lifestyle, the porn lifestyle. And uh, what the teacher that started it in this school district was actually given an award. And she's explaining 
how how this program was embraced by the children and how it spread. And of course, there was division. You were either pro-gay or anti-gay. The kids said you were either gay if you're part of the program or you're a homophobe if you're not. And of course, that's not going to be acceptable. Parents were complaining about it, but but the people who were involved in the program said, well, that's just because the parents were ignorant. The sixth grade parents were ignorant. Yes, we're talking about 11-year-olds, 12, 13, 14-year-old kids being indoctrinated. And it gets worse because if you accept this program and you re-identified yourself sexually, Part of the requirement here was to to kill your old self. And that's exactly what was talked about in this in this receptive speech. You got an award for this. Here are a, a student and a teacher talking about dead names. I don't think of this as my club. It's all about the kids. I'm their advocate. I am their, I'm the facilitator. I bring the snacks. Um, but whatever they want to do is what we do. Uh, one of my friends who is trans uh, had their dead name on their ID, and we thought that was kind of unfair because then everyone was calling them as their dead name. Every single student at school has to wear their ID all day, every day, and these have their dead names. And they wanted that changed. The consensus is that we can't because it's a um, it's a legal you know it's our legal name and we need to have their legal names on their IDs. And I came back and told the students, and they were so upset. We took it to district board level and got it changed for the entire district so that the entire district's students can have their um, proper names on their ID, and I found that really cool. So. That didn't shock me that we could find a way to do it at our school, but I was really floored that the kids pushed and found a way to get it at the whole district. And now she has friends at different schools all around the district and even in elementary. So the kids didn't want their their name, their the, the names that their parents gave them. They considered those dead names. Why? Because now they considered themselves part of the trans community. So instead of the teachers, you know, speaking common sense, we know, no, no, no. Well, this is what the kids want. And of course, this is a, it's a, a group, a, a club that where the kids push the agenda. So they went to the administration and they got it changed. And she's so happy they were able to get it changed. So now they can get rid of their dead names on their official ID and they can go by their, their new names. And I got to tell you, I was a high school teacher for 10 years. This is not how it's done. And you're not fooling me. This is not the kids pushing this agenda. What do the kids know about this? These are the parents pushing this agenda. Last part. I haven't seen such joy on the face of a child when I told them that they didn't have to have their dead name on their ID, that they could have their chosen name on their ID. It was just, it was just euphoria. And I, I, it brought tears, bringing tears to my eyes right now. A student responded to this. Uh, this is from the Arizona Daily Independent, which is covering this story. One of the only news outlets in the area that's covering the story. Teenage girl 
She said, when I started at Kokopo Middle School, I wanted to fit in with other kids. Everyone else already had their friend groups back in elementary school, so I couldn't find a place where I belonged. But every day on the announcements, I would hear about the LGBTQ community and that they would hang out and, and play games together. And that's all I wanted to hear. So I got sucked into the community. And I felt like I could belong somewhere. But then I started to change who I was while I was with this community. I started to question my sexuality and started to think I was bisexual. When before I went to school, I was so boy crazy. I really think there should be other clubs at this school because I had to change who I was and what I believed in just to feel loved by others. This is grooming. It's insidious. And it's not just in Arizona. It's in your school, too. Don't believe me? Check it out. Go to the school board meetings. Push back. My name is James T. Harris, sitting in for The Jesse Kelly Show. My name is James T. Harris. I am a talk show host out of Phoenix, Arizona, sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. And because I'm out of Arizona, I can tell you up close and personal what is happening on our border. And what's happening on our border is not, it's not good. Uh, we announced a few weeks ago that I should say it was announced that a caravan was headed our way, headed towards, towards Arizona. Now, what's crazy about this is that the mainstream media is not really covering the border anymore, are they? No, because it's not a crisis to them. It's not. It was a crisis when President Trump was in was in office. And we were hearing about kids in cages ripping children from the arms of their mothers on a nightly basis. But the moment Joe Biden got into office, and they stopped talking about that. No more photo ops with AOC bending over in pain because of the pain this nation is causing the immigrant children. None of that. As a matter of fact, the cages got larger. The holding cells. As a matter of fact, the family separations. Well, it wasn't just family separations. You had coyotes bringing in kids, using them as human shields. The sex trafficking, the drug trafficking all exploded. We have over 2 million people who have walked across this border, walked across the border into America since Joe Biden was sworn into office. 2 million people. And I'm here to tell you that this is unsustainable. And yet our corrupt media is not talking about it. We don't have a media. Well, actually we do. We have Fox News. And uh, you have me. <laughs> I'll tell you what's going on. Uh, we have a, a, a crisis beyond the crisis. We have uh, officials that are exhausted and frustrated. We have the Border Patrol and ICE who are no longer doing their job. They're not patrolling the border. They're not deporting people. We have these agencies that have been turned into a redistribution center. This morning on my show, the conservative circus on news talk 550 KFYI out of Phoenix. I talked to one of these officials, a Yuma County Sheriff Leon Wilmot. 
And I asked him point blank. My first question was, you know, in one word, uh, Sheriff, what is the situation in Yuma, Arizona? Mess. It's a mess. A mess. A mess, he said. It's a mess. He was like almost, it's, it's a mess. He really couldn't say what he was thinking, that it was foobar. So he went with the mess. I asked him, you know, when you say mess, describe this mess. Well, our, our federal partners have been dealing with uh, about a thousand a day. I would estimate yesterday we probably had anywhere from 1,300 up. The day before that, there was probably 1,200. And right now, Border Patrol is so overwhelmed, they don't even have agents down on the border because they're busy processing these thousands of individuals that they are able to pick up once they're able to transport others out of their facility. But we're being impacted on the local level because now we have immigrants that have entered the country illegally calling our 911, asking to be picked up, transported to Border Patrol, taken to the hospital, addressing medical needs. They're walking through farm field areas. It's just, it's a mess. Sheriff Leon Wilmot, he's talking, he's the sheriff down there in Yuma County. You hear this? The, the illegals, they're savvy. They get across into the country. The first thing they do is they call 911. Here I am. Come get me. A video surfaced today of one man walking across the border. Someone asked him, hey, where are you from? I'm from Georgia. Wait, you mean Georgia over there like in, in Europe? Yeah, Georgia. How did you get here? I jumped on the plane and flew to Mexico. Then I went up to Mexicala. Then I walked in. I'm just walking in. They're coming in from all over the world. It's a mess, according to, to the sheriff there. Have you heard the Biden administration say anything about this? No, you haven't. As a matter of fact, I asked Sheriff uh, Wilmot uh, about uh, the help that he's receiving. Is he hearing from anyone statewide from Arizona? Uh, fact is, I got a hold of uh, Tim Dunn, our representative, and I asked him because right now, Senator Kelly and Senator Sinema are both senators in hiding when it comes to this border crisis that we sheriffs have been dealing with all along the southwestern border in Arizona. And it's impacting the interior counties as well. So the senators, other than when all the sheriffs from national sheriffs demanded that they call and be educated on what's going on, have not reached out. I will tell you that uh, Governor Ducey has been in contact with us, as well as uh, Representative Dunn on all the issues, and he's offered to do whatever he can to help with our situation. But it's taxing our, our small communities with their ambulances, being tied up, dealing with the, uh, the border issue with the immigrants and not being able to provide that service delivery to their local communities. I mean, my dispatch center the other night for two hours straight was handling 911 calls at night because our community was driving down the road, finding them 
walking down the middle of the roadway, uh, you name it. This is Sheriff Wilmot. Uh, he's out of Yuma, Arizona. It's an invasion. It's an invasion. People walking down the street, the middle of the street, people walking through the fields, people just all over the place. You think uh, that, that, uh, that a town, a small town, the size of Wilmot, look, we have smaller towns, Gila Bend, which is, uh, you could throw a baseball through it. But this is who's supposed to be taking care of these illegals. These people are wandering through there and there's no services? Is this part of the plan? Yeah, actually, it is. And you know what's crazy? We'll see uh, uh, the Biden administration. We'll see Dr. Fauci talk about these mandates, how you have to get vaccinated. Vaccinated, our only way out is vaccinated. We can get back to normal through vaccinations. Meanwhile, we got two million people walking into the United States of America. Are they being vaccinated? Is there anything done about COVID? Uh, and we, we, we're getting results or information that these people do have COVID. How is the government protecting the American people? Sheriff Wilmot. Well, and that's what we've been asking all along. It's like the, this country has been in a the COVID pandemic. But yet they're demanding all U.S. citizens get vaccinated, but they've already released 1.7 million into the interior of the United States without ensuring that they were vaccinated. So it makes one wonder, is this just a bunch of media and political hype because they don't know how to do their job? They can only survive in a crisis mode. I don't get it. So what Border Patrol is able to do is nothing. All they can do is process. This is not actually even Border Patrol's responsibility. It's Immigration's Customs and Enforcement's responsibility. So this administration has, has basically removed border security from our borders and turned them into a transportation and processing to get them transported into the interior of the United States. That's why... Western states, there's over 1,096 sheriffs in the Western State Sheriff's Association, came out with a formal letter of no confidence in Mayorkas to be able to be the Homeland Security Director, period. He, he doesn't know what he's doing. Either he doesn't know what he's doing or they're just doing this on purpose, but you heard the Biden administration has removed security from the border. That's where we are, not just in Arizona, but our whole U.S. border. There's no border patrol. There's no security. We have people wandering in from this country uh, all over from all over the world. This is going to crash the system. It is wreaking havoc on our border towns. And where is the Biden administration? Where is Mayorkas, who's over Homeland Security? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. They're. They're absent without leave. And it gets worse. It got worse today. Coming up next, I'm going to tell you about the man who was just confirmed to be over Border Patrol. He's actually now the former police chief from Tucson, Arizona. 
And if you wanted more evidence that uh, this is being done to us on purpose, I'll give it to you coming up next. Not too long ago, I was introduced to Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow and his team of Fibby for my very own my pillow. These pillows won't go flat. You can wash and dry them consistently, constantly. And, and most importantly, they are made in the USA. If you don't own a MyPillow or know someone who, who doesn't, now is the time to buy. For a limited time, Mike is offering his MyPillow, yes, the one that started it all, for his lowest price ever. You can get a standard MyPillow for nineteen ninety eight. Originally, it was $69.98. That's a $50 saving with promo code JESSE. The King Pillow is only $10 more, folks. Now is the time to buy. Along with the lowest price offer, Mike is also extending his money-back guarantee trial until March the 1st of next year. Go to MyPillow.com and click on Radio Listener Specials. There you will find not only this amazing offer, but rotating discounts on 150-plus MyPillow products from the Giza Dream bed sheets to the mattress top Hopper, slippers, and more. Enter promo code JESSE or call 800-845-0544 for these great radio specials. You're listening to the Oracle. You're gonna love this one. It's a scream, baby. The Jesse Kelly Show. James T. Harris filling in for Jesse Kelly, the Jesse Kelly Show. I am a talk show host out of Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm here to tell you that uh, you thought things are bad. They're going to get much, much worse. Two million people have come across the border since Joe Biden was sworn into office. And you could say that it's incompetence, you know, when he fired off all of those executive orders trying to reverse every semblance of a President uh, Donald Trump, but... Many people believe that this is being done to us on purpose because Biden was asked about open borders. He refused to answer the question during the during the the election season. He refused to answer it, as did Vice President Kamala Harris, because the Democrats are all about open borders. Now, under the under the Obama administration. We had the same thing, but see, it wasn't as exaggerated. It wasn't completely open. We talked about the children coming across. And of course, you you had Obama with the children in cages, but back then the Democrats didn't care because they were doing it. But there was an interruption. See, this has always been part of the plan. We have Joe Biden who said back in 2015 that by 2017, there's going to be an influx of immigrants in this country and that 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 people of color are going to be the new majority, the majority minority. And he said that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's because they thought that Hillary Clinton was going to be the next president of the United States. They didn't know. That Trump was going to interrupt the whole process. Now I think the Democrats are trying to make up for lost time. And that's why things are wide open. That's you could think that if if you're you're dismissing the the whole they're incompetent. But I'm dismissing that they're incompetent because of the actions they are taking. You heard a, a sheriff, the Yuma sheriff, uh, Wilmot say that uh, he's reached out statewide. He's talked to the governor, but there hasn't been any real action. He said that the two senators from Arizona, Kirsten Sinema and the, and the astronaut, 
Mark Kelly. They're, they're MIA. They're missing. Here's something that's hilarious. Just got this. Governor Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona, was doing a press conference at the border today when 12 illegals walked in right by the big fat hole in the gate. They walked right up, right past the governor as he was speaking. You can't make this stuff up. They're overflowing into the country and nothing is being done about it. They're interviewing people. And by the way, these are not the downtrodden, the poor and the hungry. These people are coming in here dressed middle class. These people see an opportunity to get into the country now. They they got their suitcases with the little rollers on there. They didn't walk up from Guatemala. They flew in here. They flew in and they took a bus up to the border because this is all being orchestrated. Further evidence. We're looking for someone to be over the Border Patrol. I talk to members of the Border Patrol all the time. We talked about the chaos in the Border Patrol under the the Trump administration because there were so many people who were left over from the Obama administration. Today we have learned that uh, former Tucson police chief, Chris Magnus, otherwise known as that Black Lives Matter cop, was offered up the Biden administration's nominee to head up the Border Patrol. Yeah, the, the vote passed. We even had some Republicans that voted for this. This man is a disaster. He's the kind of guy who's never seen an open border he didn't like. This guy got the job in Tucson because and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being facetious. I'm not being hateful here. The leadership in Tucson hired him because he's gay and because he's part of Black Lives Matter. <laughs> True story. <laughs> this is the guy. This guy has never run a, uh, an organization. Do you know how many people belong to the, to the Border Patrol? We're talking about 60,000 people. He's never run anything that big. Today, he was appointed to be over Border Patrol. And that's just further evidence that this administration is not serious about the border. That's further evidence that these open borders is part of the plan. This is the Biden agenda. President Trump told us that they're not sending their best. Well, maybe not, but but they're sending the folks who can afford the coyotes rates. The Biden border policy has been a boon for the cartels. People don't believe what's happening here. You almost have to see it for yourself because the media is not here to show anything. You know, our governor, our attorney general, they can deliver the very best sound bites. But it seems to me that they're not doing enough to really stop it. I I can compare them to other governors. The issue here is that there's far too many Republicans that are A-OK with what's happening to this country. 
There are far too many people in the establishment that think that this is just business as usual. It is not. You heard from the Yuma County Sheriff, Leon Wilmot. You heard the exhaustion in his voice. This is what we're up against. It's not a good thing. And there is no end of it in sight. My name is James C. Harris. I am a talk show host out of Phoenix, Arizona, sitting in for The Jesse Kelly Show. You are listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. My name is James T. Harris. I am a talk show host out of Phoenix, Arizona. You can follow me on Instagram at James T. Harris. You can follow me on Twitter at James T. Harris. Or check out my Facebook page, James T. Harris Media. That's where I do a lot of posting. That's going to change up, though, because Facebook is just, well, they're just Facebook. And they've turned against conservatives a long time ago, but they've got their foot on my neck and it's starting to hurt. But that's a subject for a different day. There's new media coming out anyway, right? I have a serious question. I want you to think about this. Contemplate before you yell out your answer. Why isn't anyone listening to Joe Biden? (laughs) Why? He's the president of the United States, don't you know? He's the leader of the free world. But when he talks, people, they don't listen. On uh, September the 9th, he he gave out that mandate that, you know, uh, that all companies that have 100 or more employees must be vaccinated. Remember that? I was upset about that. A lot of people were upset about that. The vaccine mandates. Those mandates have suddenly gone away. OSHA, they pulled them. There was a Supreme Court, or I should say there was a a, a court hearing today in which you had another federal judge shoot them down, shoot out the the, the vaccine mandates. This thing is almost dead in the water. All you have left is deranged uh, uh, leaders, uh, mayors, governors of blue states and blue cities that are still trying to to advance this thing but but even some of them are beginning to back down and yet you still have joe biden out there talking about we're gonna vaccinate we're gonna start vaccinating children don't you know it's the way to get back to normalcy but nobody's listening how many speeches would you guess President Joe Biden has made since November the 1st on uh, uh, his landmark infrastructure infrastructure bill. You know, that just passed. How many? Well, if you're in the news, like I am, you know that there was a few of them. Five, six. But if you're not a news junkie, you would probably guess zero. Oh, he's talking. But no one is listening. And that, my friends, is a huge problem. On the one hand, I'm glad that people are ignoring uh, uh, this fraud of a president, this asterisk of a president. He doesn't deserve to be listened to. His policies are destructive. Everything that he has touched has turned to dust. His administration is a joke. They're really, it's not his administration. I'm starting to believe that it's the the Obama people that are running the ship. But you know what? They were hapless too. 
So we're in a real frightening situation here where the, the government is, is fraudulent. The government mandates and decrees are being destroyed, or I should say being ignored. The Democrats, the party that's running the country, they're in disarray. They're at odds with each other. And our enemies have taken notice. We've got Russia. They're amassing troops. We've got China out there saber rattling. And today we were told that there was a two hour meeting between President Joe Biden and uh, uh, the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. We were told that uh, Joe Biden laid it down. You know, there's going to be sanctions if you make a move against Ukraine. There's going to be sanctions. We're going to really point our finger at you and we're going to say bad things. I have to admit that I do have some disdain for the Democrat Party. They let their Trump derangement syndrome put us in this precarious situation. The Democrats. The Democrats who undercut the Trump administration for the first two years with their ridiculous Russia hoax. The Russia collusion hoax. Well, you know, Vladimir Putin sitting back looking at that. He knows that it was not true. But he watched the Democrats get into a frenzy, get all frothy about about this fake, this fake dossier to try to end President Trump's effect, to end his presidency. And you know what? They hamstrung it for the first two years. But they didn't stop. They drummed the president out of office, if you want to believe that. They installed this, this, this Biden guy, this Biden administration is now in this place. And what are they doing? Do you think Vladimir Putin is listening to Joe Biden? <laughs> Do you think that uh, Chairman Xi is, is listening to Joe Biden? Do you think the Chinese are afraid of Joe Biden? This is bad. This is very bad. The American people are ignoring Joe Biden. World leaders in other countries are ignoring Joe Biden. You got the foreign press laughing at Joe Biden. And to make it worse, the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, well, she is viewed in even a more negative light. Her approval rating is lower than Joe Biden's. It would be so funny. It would be so, such a, a glorious moment, except for the fact that America, American citizens are going to pay the price for this ineptitude. How did this happen? Out of all the choices that the Democrats had, how did they end up with how did they end up with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? You answer that question and you begin to you just see a lot. It speaks volumes that this type of just just incompetence and corruption is leading the country. Are we being judged? I think we're being judged. 
I think America's being judged and they came up short. That's why we need to continue to pray, to pray for this country, to even pray for this administration that somehow something will, 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 will emerge here. Uh, things are so bad on the Democrat side that I'm hearing all kinds of crazy rumors ranging from uh, the Biden administration getting rid of the vice president and bringing in Hillary Clinton. Oh, oh, they did. They, they, you know, it's out there. And then all of a sudden, you know, Joe Biden will step aside and then Hillary will become the president. <laughs> but that's not good. That's not even better for the country. She's hapless, too. There's nobody. Obama has destroyed the Democrats bench. They're done. They're just trying to hold on to power, trying a different way, you know, to extend this COVID pandemic so they can do what they did in 2020 and cheat. Nobody is listening to Joe Biden. Nobody is listening to the president of the United States of America. No, I want you to hear what I'm saying. He speaks and nobody is listening. The most powerful voice in the Democrat Party right now is White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. And she she can't even hold her own. And how bad is it? The media is starting to ask her uncomfortable questions. And I'm not talking about Peter Ducey from Fox News. I'm talking about people we've never even heard of. They're starting to ask questions. And they're so hapless that they're not even prepared for it. But how can they be? How do you defend haplessness? How do you defend just corruption? How do you how do you defend the the actions that the Biden administration has taken in the last eleven months that have led us to inflation, fuel shortages, supply shortages? How 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 do you defend that? You can't. And that's why we need to pray for this country. Bill De Blasio, he's on his way out. This is an example of Democrats. He's on his way out, and yet he has one of the most draconian orders that he's trying to put in place. Will he be successful? Well, that'll speak volumes about where we are in this country. We'll talk about that coming up next. Libertas Tuttle Twins. Great book series. These books are out there to help kids develop critical thinking skills, something they're not being taught in schools. These are ideals that most adults and certainly members of Congress don't even understand. Helps to balance out the harmful ideas from schools with the, the, the media, the Hollywood, the tr- with true principles. Our kids are being indoctrinated. It's time for parents to get involved. And there's a great book series to help them do that. You could teach the ideas that made America great. And if you homeschool, there's, there's curriculum here. If your kids go to school, this helps to cor- counteract uh, the junk your kids are being taught. Kids will learn to identify socialism, the dangers of authoritarianism, how free markets benefit society, freedom of speech. Children will be taught about property rights, entrepreneurship, personal freedom, how to learn, not what to learn. Go to TuttleTwinsJesse.com. You'll see that there's 30% off of these books, uh, free activity workbooks automatically included. You can keep your kids safe, protect your kids from socialism, just check out the website, TuttleTwinsJesse.com. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. 
You are listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. My name is James T. Harris. I am a talk show host out of Phoenix, Arizona. It's been a pleasure sitting in for, for Jesse Kelly. I'll tell you what, if you want to follow me, you can go to my Instagram page, uh, James T. Harris. You can also find me at Twitter at James T. Harris. And then there's Facebook, James T. Harris Media. We talk about the issues of the day. We really don't care what social media has to say about it. Well, we kind of do. <laughs> but things are not the way they used to be. I mean, it used to be a wild, open, free thing. And, and you had to just, if you got attacked, you had to put up with it. You could attack back. Now, if you talk about things that uh, the left doesn't want you to talk about, you can get canceled. Right now, we have Bill de Blasio. He's on his way out as mayor in New York City, but he's not acting like it. And as a matter of fact, if you try to take Bill de Blasio and his decrees on social media, you'll get hacked. But the question is, why, why are Americans putting up with this stuff? Bill de Blasio came out and announced that the, that the vaccine mandate it's not just going to be for government workers, but it's also going to be for private companies. They're actually trying to mandate something that is simply unconstitutional, but they don't care. Bill de Blasio. We just talked about an attack on democracy. Well, we're under attack a different way right now from the coronavirus and We've got Omicron as a new factor. We've got the colder weather, which is going to really create Ooh. additional challenges mm, with the okay. Delta variant. We've got holiday gatherings. We in New York City have decided to use a preemptive strike to really do something bold to stop preemptive the strike. further growth of COVID and the dangers right. it's causing to all of us. So mm -hmm. as of today, we're going to announce a first in the nation measure. Our health commissioner will announce a vaccine mandate for private sector employers across the board. All private sector employers oh. in New York City will be covered by this vaccine mandate as of December 27th. We're gonna have some other measures as well to really focus on maximizing vaccination you know what? You know quickly. What? No. Stop so it, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. Bill de Blasio. Uh, notice the health officials, they're, they're following the lead of the health officials that have come down with these decrees. Health officials are unelected bureaucrats. What was that earlier this week that we have um, a Biden actually say, you know, I talk to Dr. Fauci all the time. I talk to him more than I talk to my wife. As a matter of fact, Dr. Fauci is the president. Oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> hell no, that's that's not funny because that's exactly what has happened. Not just in the United States, but across the states. We have governors that are ceding their authority as elected officials over to bureaucrats who then lock us down. And that's supposed to make it OK. It's not OK. Bill de Blasio does not have the authority to announce vaccine mandates for private companies. He can come up with all the excuses he wants to. Oh, it's getting cold outside. Oh, we got more gatherings. Bill de Blasio, when you stopped the Jewish community from meeting uh, to celebrate their holidays, how, how did that work? Bill de Blasio, with all of the, the mandates and the lockdowns that have taken place, how, how is your city faring with COVID? Why are they doing more of the same of the things that didn't work? I'll tell you why. Because it's not about your health. It's not about your health. And that is why when Bill de Blasio says that now children, children between the ages of 5 and 11 must have proofs of VAC status, you know that this is not about health. This 
is about control. Bill de Blasio. Uh, Our youngest kids, we got to reach them now. Right now in the city, it's about 20 percent have gotten vaccinated in that five to 11 range. It's new. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. vaccine's relatively new. But what we're trying to say to parents is it's urgent before Omicron grows, before Delta continues to stress us even worse in the winter months. Uh, get your kid vaccinated. And here's an incentive to do it. A lot of parents, of course, want to take incentive. their kids out to wonderful incentive. things that will be happening in the holiday season. Here's a reminder. Get your child vaccinated. Just one dose will immediately qualify any child to be able to participate in those activities. But look, I'm a parent and I remember vividly when my kids were going to school. You know, you don't end up in a situation where a, a child is left unprotected. I, might, I urge parents really strongly get that vaccination. It's safe. It's been proven. Here's another incentive to do it. Okay, you know what? Stop, 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 stop. Incentive. It's safe. It's proven. All of that is propaganda. Remember early on when uh, COVID was full-blown? Children, they didn't need it because it wasn't impacting children. Remember that? Look how the science has changed, or at least how they say the science has changed again. There's no empirical evidence that COVID-19, the coma, the... uh, Omicron virus or, or variant or any of the variants Delta are having a negative impact on children. It's just not, it's not. And where are the tests? Why all of a sudden now do we not have to test anything anymore? We're just supposed to trust you with our children, ladies, gentlemen, friends, listeners to the Jesse Kelly show. This has to be the line in the sand. Our country has never responded to a virus like this ever and there's nothing about the COVID-19 virus or its variants that warrant this type of response the Omicron uh, variant is weak no one's dying from Omicron even out of South Africa they're like what are you what are you you banning traffic here for what's what's wrong with you nobody is dying from this people are getting mild reaction what is wrong with you look at the overreaction from Democrats around the world. It's not about your health. It's about control. It's not about your health. It's about trying to create the atmosphere that we had in 2020 when they were able to justify mail in balance with no checks or balances so that they could get their way. Not having it. Resist. My name is James T. Harris. It's been a pleasure sitting in for the Jesse Kelly Show. Anytime Jesse Kelly needs me, I'm going to try to be here for you. Until we meet again, pray for the country. Pray for our salvation.